0: Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Friday, January 12th. Today we're looking at how U.S. attacks in Yemen are sharpening Biden's military and political dilemmas and Belgium's PM's message to China to respect their political system. Plus, Ukraine and Russia claim they want the war to end, but experts say peace talks are far off and the Biden administration awards a hefty $623 million in grants to build out an electric vehicle charging network. All this coverage and more up next. Welcome to Current Radio's politics station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. U.S. and British airstrikes against Iran-backed militants in Yemen have marked a significant escalation in the Middle East conflict. This comes despite President Joe Biden's efforts to prevent a wider war. Abby, our foreign policy expert, is here to discuss this development. Abby, what's the significance of these airstrikes?
1: Well, Michael... These airstrikes represent a critical juncture in the Middle East conflict. They're a response to a series of attacks by Houthi rebels on commercial shipping in the Red Sea. These attacks, believed to be orchestrated by Iran, have been seen as a pressure campaign against Israel and the U.S. The strikes by the U.S. and U.K. are not just about retaliation, but also about reestablishing
0: deterrence. So the Biden administration is trying to send a clear message to Iran and its proxies. But how does this fit into the broader context of US foreign policy.
1: The Biden administration has been trying to avoid getting drawn into a new Middle East conflict, especially with US troops in the firing line in Iraq and Syria. However, the Houthi attacks have been escalating and the US has felt compelled to act. The hope is that by reestablishing deterrence, the Houthis, and by extension Iran, will step back, avoiding a more dangerous escalation.
0: But there's a risk of retaliation, isn't there? and with pro-Iranian groups spread throughout the Middle East, the potential for a wider conflict is a real concern.
1: Absolutely, Michael. The Middle East is a volatile environment, and the potential for retaliation is a realistic and dangerous possibility. The U.S. has limited capacity to exert its will on the Middle East, and recent history has shown that military action can have unintended consequences.
0: And all this is happening against the backdrop of the 2024 presidential election campaign, How do you think this will impact Biden's reelection bid?
1: Well, Michael, the political implications are complex. On the one hand, Biden is being criticized by Republicans for not acting sooner. On the other hand, he's also facing criticism from within his own party for his decision to carry out airstrikes without congressional approval. If the strikes work and stabilize the situation, he may not get the credit. If they don't, a dangerous escalation could prove politically ruinous.
0: So it's a delicate balancing act for Biden. Thanks for your insights, Abby. Now in a recent development, Belgian Prime Minister Alexander De Croo has delivered a strong message to Chinese Premier Li Qiang, asking Beijing not to interfere in European politics. Abby, our correspondent for Current, is here to shed light on this matter. Abby, what can you tell us about this?
1: Thank you, Michael. This statement from De Croo comes in the wake of a scandal that has been rocking Belgium recently. Frank Kralman, a lawmaker from Belgium's far right Vlaams Belang party, allegedly received money from a Chinese spy with the intention of influencing Belgian and European politics. De Cruz's comments seem to be a direct response to this incident.
0: That's quite a serious allegation. How has this impacted the relationship between Belgium and China?
1: It's certainly strained, Michael. DeCru, who is currently in Beijing for a two-day state visit, has stated that he will convey his concerns about Chinese interference in EU politics. He's also expressed his intention to discuss human rights and the respect of each other's political systems.
0: And this comes at a time when the EU and China are already experiencing a number of hurdles in their relationship, correct? That's right, Michael.
1: The relationship between the EU and China has been fraught with issues including the access for European companies on the Chinese market. DeCruy has stated that Belgium has the ambition to grow economic ties, which will be more balanced and gain better access to the Chinese market.
0: It's a delicate balance, isn't it? On one hand, there's the need for economic cooperation and growth. And on the other, there's the need to maintain political sovereignty and integrity. Abby, how do you see this playing out?
1: It's a complex situation, Michael. The EU and China are major global players, and their relationship has wide-reaching implications. It's clear that both sides have significant issues to address, and it will be interesting to see how these discussions evolve in the coming months.
0: Indeed, it will be. Thanks for your insights, Abby. Now, shifting our focus to Ukraine, it is set to pitch its peace plan for ending the war with Russia to Allied national security advisors in Switzerland. However, experts suggest that neither Russia nor Ukraine is ready for peace talks yet. Abby, our correspondent for Current, is here to provide some insights. Abby, what can you tell us about this situation?
1: Michael, the situation is indeed complex. Ukraine's 10-point peace formula aims to pressure Russia into agreeing to Kiev's prerequisites for the cessation of hostilities. However, Russia has been absent from gatherings focused on these peace proposals and has criticized recent talks as anti-Russian and counterproductive.
0: So what are the main points of contention here?
1: The key priorities in Ukraine's peace formula are the withdrawal of all Russian troops from its territory and the complete restoration of its territorial integrity before Russia's invasion almost two years ago and before its annexation of Crimea in 2014. The release of all Ukrainian prisoners, nuclear safety, and food and energy security are also elements of the plan.
0: And how has the international community reacted to this?
1: Ukraine's Western partners have reaffirmed their support for Kyiv, but the outlook for continuing military aid looks shaky in both the U.S. and Europe. The forthcoming U.S. presidential election could also change attitudes toward Ukraine and stymie funding.
0: What's the current state of the conflict on the ground?
1: Fighting remains intense in southern and eastern Ukraine, where Russian units are deeply entrenched, preventing Ukraine's forces from making significant advances. Both sides continue to pursue offensive operations at a great cost to their personnel, with several hundred thousand troops on both sides estimated by U.S. intelligence to have been killed or wounded.
0: So what's the likelihood of a political resolution at this point?
1: Political and military experts stress that most wars end with some kind of diplomacy and negotiations and an eventual political solution. However, neither Russia nor Ukraine seems to be at a point where a political resolution is palatable. The obstacles to peace are significant, with neither side willing to abandon so-called red lines made clear early on in the war.
0: Well, it's a complex and evolving situation. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Moving on, the Biden administration has announced a significant investment in electric vehicle infrastructure with $623 million in grants being awarded to states, local governments, and tribes. Abby, can you provide us with some more details on this initiative?
1: Certainly, Michael. This funding is set to finance 47 EV charging stations and related projects across 22 states and Puerto Rico, including 7,500 EV charging ports. It's part of a larger commitment made in the 2021 infrastructure law, which allocated $7.5 billion to build a national network of 500,000 publicly available chargers by 2030. This is a key component of President Biden's push to encourage drivers to transition from gasoline-powered vehicles to electric ones.
0: It's a significant initiative. However, I understand that progress on this network has been slower than expected.
1: That's correct, Michael. So far, only Ohio and New York have opened charging stations under the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program. Other states, including Pennsylvania and Maine, have broken ground on federally funded projects and are expected to open stations early this year. Despite this, the number of publicly available charging ports has grown by nearly 70 percent to 168,426 since Biden took office.
0: Interesting. Now, there's been some controversy surrounding this initiative, hasn't there?
1: Yes, there has. The Republican-controlled House recently approved a measure that would block a Biden administration policy that temporarily waives some domestic content requirements for federally funded EV chargers. Supporters of this measure argue that it would keep China out of the supply chain for EV chargers. However, Democrats have called the resolution misguided, noting that the waiver was needed to give American manufacturers time to develop domestic content, such as steel and iron used in chargers.
0: So what's the broader context here? How does this fit into the Biden administration's overall climate goals?
1: The Biden administration has set ambitious targets for the adoption of electric vehicles, aiming for EVs to make up half of all new car sales by 2030. The availability of charging stations is a key factor in achieving this goal. However, there are still significant barriers to overcome. According to a survey from the Associated Press, NNORC Sea Center for Public Affairs Research, and the Energy Policy Institute at the University of Chicago, about 80% of respondents cited concerns about a lack of charging stations as a reason not to purchase an electric vehicle.
0: It's clear that this is a complex issue with many moving parts. Thanks for helping us understand it better, Abby. Now that wraps up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.